Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon to whoever is listening to this podcast out here. This is the first episode, the pilot episode of Conversing Over Drinks, and I have on a special guest, my buddy, Ryan Law. We met each other at NSU, started doing a little bit of music together in the younger days, and uh, just kept a nice little friendship on through the years. It's great to have him on. I'm going to let him introduce himself. Ryan, go ahead, introduce man, yourself. Man, what's going on? Thank you so much for having me on here, man. I, I truly appreciate it. Um, I know you've already had former podcasts with people of great influence and whatnot, so I'm just grateful to be considered a part of that category. So thanks for having me. Man, I appreciate it, man. I, I really do, man. I'm glad to have you as a guest. I'm glad that we can finally make this happen. Like, I mean, right. sometimes you just want to have a conversation and you want to you wanna speak about real things and life issues that people can relate to. Oh, for sure. For sure. There's definitely something special about vulnerability and it's difficult to find other people who, who get that, yeah. who believe the same thing. But at the end of the day, people can relate to your weakness far more than they can relate to your strengths. And I'm learning that. And as a leader, I think we're the absolute worst at it because we use our platform to try to uh, expand business and increase revenue. But metaphorically, we actually need to become smaller and that's when you become bigger. Yeah, see, that's why I went to therapy because I was like, man, I got to figure some stuff out. Right. And like my therapist was like, hey, take this personality test for me. And so I took the personality test and I came out of INFJ. Nice. The INFJs, they see the world different. Yeah. Where people see a square, they see a cube. She was like, that's kind of where you need to figure things out. And right after she told me that, and I started reading up on it and I became a lot different. Like I started cutting out a lot of people. Um, I started focusing on certain things because it was like, okay, now I need to find something that keeps me intrigued. Right. Now is INFJ Myers-Briggs? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's amazing how just the slightest change in focus can literally change the entire trajectory of your life. Yeah. It's amazing. Tony Robbins was saying that holding the golf club off angle by just one millimeter is the difference between landing your ball in the pond or on the green. And that's when I learned the art of making minor adjustments because you've got to be careful not to overcorrect. Oh, yeah. Like you said, sometimes those adjustments do come in the form of people or releasing certain people from your circle of influence. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that portion never becomes easier for two reasons. One, we were designed to build relationship. And two... Because they're not always bad people. Yeah. Sometimes they're just not good for that particular season that you're in. In other words, I believe it's possible to have the right thing in the wrong season and you still suffer the consequences if you're not able to distinguish when people's seasons are over. It's like an asset that becomes a liability. It's no longer giving to you and keeping it around will only take from you. So as far as taking the Myers-Briggs and using other resources to help redefine and and re-find yourself, Mm -hmm. bro, I think that's the smartest thing you can do. And I wish more people would understand. I mean, it's, I don't know. I've never had to really deal with that issue of divorce. I mean, like my mom and dad weren't really together when they, uh, they conceived me. I was just kind of a, a one night stand that ended up being an 18 year, 18 year prison sentence. (laughs) And so, um, it was a, it was kind of a surprise for both of them. So yeah. I didn't have to deal with the divorce thing. I just kind of had to deal with 
two parents who didn't like each other. Yeah, that um, seems like it'd be even worse. Like I grew up never feeling like I was ever good enough for anybody. Wow. Yeah, self-awareness is actually the most valuable thing that I was able to gain from the divorce experience. And not just being aware, but gaining a deep, authentic comprehension of myself. Becoming emotionally agile and truly understanding that every single emotion is connected. It comes from somewhere, right? Yeah. Hurt people hurt people. It's like a subconscious learned behavior that was developed somewhere along their journey and upbringing. That's what makes us unique though. And what I learned is the way people respond to you has little to do with you and a lot more to do with them. So like, how is all that going? Like, what's that been like? Um, I'm at a space in my life where I only have love. I don't have the energy to devote to anything else. Now, before I reached this space in my identity, I was completely broken. I gave my entire self to this, to this idea, you know, but there's no, I don't have any bad blood towards her. People can only meet you with the capacity that they can meet themselves. It doesn't make her any less of a person or any more of a person. It creates diversity. And when diversity is met with an open mind, you allow phenomenal ideas to manifest. You do have a child together. So like, how are you guys doing with the co-parents? Right. There is no blueprint to parenting or co-parenting, but I've always desired things to be a certain way, right? What I've learned is that people can only meet you where they're at. They can only give what they have. So all in all, man, I'm just, I'm grateful that God has graced me with patience, understanding, and a sound mind. And we'll leave it at that. Oh, yeah. And man, so the music. Yeah, the music. Man, it was it was fun doing tracks with you. I didn't it get to beat fun. the network like she did, but it was fun doing tracks with yeah. you. Uh, I, I think they're actually still up on SoundCloud. They should be. Drink You Down. I think yeah, that, that was, was like my one. best verse that I had put down. I'd have to Man, agree. you got to let the people know. For the people that hear this episode, like everybody always asks me about the music. Yeah. What I think about me and the music, I'm just like, I don't think that I was ever at that level where I could make something that was going to hit is stay with that. I energy. disagree. I disagree with that. So I'll put it to you like this. We put juice out in 2009, 2010 ish. And Riff Raff was signed to SODMG with soldier boy shortly after that. Right now, shortly after that, you and I met 2013, 2012 ish. And I say all that to say all of this, I wouldn't have messed with you had I thought you didn't have some type of potential. And I think Drink You Down is a prime example of what kind of potential you have. Yeah. And like, I think that's, like, I, I, like I'll be completely honest again, I think that's why I kind of like stepped back from the music because mm -hmm. I, can, I can tell, like I always tell people, I'm like, if you're not passionate about it, step back from right. it. When it came to me, like I was so passionate about sports. Gotcha. And so I had to step back from music and I dove into coaching. Now, was that something you love to do? Man, I, I love every minute of coaching. I mean, I feel like that's why I think that's why I was so successful in my first season as a head coach, mm -hmm. because I was truly passionate about it. Like I could stay up 
all night right. watching film. I could stay up all night, yeah. like devising no, I totally plays, get that. And, and I had no problem hurting oh, yeah. people's feelings. It's, it's all out of love. Had, it's all out of love. You know what's crazy is I'm known for doing the exact same thing, but in healthcare. And to the people who cannot relate, it's the strangest thing to them because being salaried, the more hours I put in, the less pay I take home. But when you're operating in your purpose, it oh, never yeah. is if about you can't pay. sit there and do it every single day. You got to step back from it because that's yeah. not something you need to put your time into. Right. Knowing the difference between purpose and pleasure will give you such an advantage. Yeah, man. Off of that, man, how's the business going? Like, I know you're getting kind of high up in your area of work. Mm -hmm. So, like, how is all that going? Like, what's that been like? Yeah, so constant challenging myself, um, constant adapting and growing, and a lot of humbleness. You can you can be humble or be humbled, and I choose to be humble. And I was, I was going to go into all of my degrees and accomplishments and whatnot, but... At the end of the day, you can have more degrees than a thermometer. But if you're not operating inside of your purpose, you're cheating yourself, and those things are purposeless. Man, that's what's up, man. That's, I appreciate I mean, it. Everybody needs to strive for something, and, I mean, you got to tackle it. Yeah. I mean, that was the whole reason I went back to go to school. I mean, it took me, God, 10, 10 years of school to finish my just my bachelor's mm -hmm. and by the time I got done I had enough hours I could have had three bachelors right so <laughs> I was figuring it out man and That's it was okay. um, yeah a lot of people don't know this about me but like I have written four or five books nice I wrote a play like I used to write poetry all the time mm -hmm. my mind thinks differently For I was sure. like once I write it I'm in a different mindset I was like, but once I get done writing it and I reread it, mm -hmm. if it doesn't meet that same aspect that I had in my mind, I toss it. Okay. Now, why is that? Hey, man, let me pause this real quick. I'll yeah, be right back. Okay, so we're back. I'm sorry for the brief intermission. I had to go handle something real quick. But before we left... Yo, Yo, what's going on, man? We can't, I can't see you right now. That's all good. I'm too dark for that. <laughs> Who do we have on the phone here? <laughs> Adrian Lamar, let's go. What a pleasant surprise. <laughs> what's up, Sid? What's going on, man? It's been a long time, no talk, man. Years. Yeah, yeah man. Well, welcome to the podcast, man. The podcast title is Conversing Over Drinks. But uh, we're just having a fun time, man. And um, the reason you came up, man, is because we were talking about... Uh, finding our passion and stuff. I was talking to Ryan about when it came to music, how I decided to take a step back because I wasn't that passionate about it as I was sports. And I got into coaching and I fell in love with coaching. And so, man, we just wanted to talk about it because I mean, we yeah. were on American Idol. And so I just want to know what that experience was like. Did it make you feel a certain way about your ability or was it kind of something that you just you had to learn from um no i definitely uh, i appreciate your perspective because um it was quite literally something that i never expected to happen to me you know uh music quite literally found me when i was 20 and it completely changed my life and to make a very long story short i don't necessarily feel like I um, appropriated my my gift in the right sense. Like I I never 
challenged myself in certain ways. Going back to what you said about American Idol, I made it four years in a row and I got further and further every year I went. Wow. Wow. I have a bad habit of derailing conversation, but man, if you if you heard the talent and the God-given ability of the people around me, like, and this just might be my own insecurities of myself, but I felt like I didn't even like hold a candle to these people, yeah. you know? And these people are being like eliminated left and right. And I'm like, why am I still here? I don't get like, yeah. it. I guess it wasn't for me to figure out, but no, man, it's a, it's a definitely a humbling experience because you can, you know, the, the whole experience is like, uh, hurry up and wait. Right. Yeah. So they're like, they're like, Hey, meet us down in the hotel lobby at 6am, but they don't do roll call until nine. It, what's funny is I was telling Ryan, I've told Ryan several times, man, it's like, you know what, they, they put a lot of pressure on you, but the most pressure that's put on you is from your, from yourself. Oh, so, right. Getting inside of your own head. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. The pressure is definitely there because you have cameras in your face and you have uh, the judges walking in and out and, and like, and not to, like, not to get too graphic, but like, man, like you have to pee. <laughs> you're just drinking water, keeping your throat clear. And you don't know when you're going to sing. You don't know, you know, who's going to sing with you. You don't, uh, yeah, it gets right. stressful. I mean, I don't think my pressure was as big as yours. Cause I don't have cameras all around me. I mean, coming out of high school, I had, I had dreamed of playing college basketball, but I never thought I was going to make it. And so when I was getting recruited, it was kind of, it was kind of jaw dropping to me. Like I, I was in awe of it. And I remember going to the college and it took me a while to adjust. But once I did adjust, it was just, it was fun again. And then I got hurt. I'm sitting there watching guys. Hey, it's all fun and games until you get hurt. I grew up with. <laughs> yeah that I grew up with who are like, who are better than me and are advancing quicker than me. And there's nothing I can do about it because I'm hurt. And I mean, not to be obscene about it. I was a little bitch. Like I was a little bitch about it. Like I got hurt. You, you said that, it, not me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like I, I was a little bitch about it. Like I got it's hurt. All good. And it's all good. We all need to be that ex- real with ourselves. Yeah. It was my excuse to get away. Like that was my excuse. I could use that as a viable excuse and people wouldn't get mad at me. And it was partly being lazy because I didn't want to put it in the work. So many times we, we put so much pressure and stipulations on ourselves, where, oh, where maybe, yeah. we, where, maybe we project other people's success on our own lives. And, you know, it's just not either the right timing or we're not in the right season, whatever you want to say about it. But yeah. Yeah, but but it's for real. Like me, 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 and Ryan have had so many deep conversations about, and in a lack of better term, just like the the restrictions that we put on ourselves. Oh, so oh many. yeah, oh yeah. You know, like I, like me and Ryan talked about the podcast uh, before we were doing this, and I was telling him, I was like, man, even though it took me a while to get to where I'm at. I was like, I'm kind of on a life plan that I had already set for myself. I didn't want to be married or have kids until I was in my Mm thirties to be established in a career. I feel like coaching is what I'm going to do until I can't coach anymore or until I'm just, Mm -hmm. until I'm too old to adjust. Um, You know, my favorite thing about coaching, I apologize for cutting you off. One of my favorite thing, my favorite thing about coaching is the fact that like your coach is instilling life principles inside of you. Oh yeah, and you might think it's about 
a football play or, you know, like an inbound pass in basketball or something. The, everything that you think about in those plays can be attributed to, you know, life circumstances. It is what it is. Like, Ryan, you, you, you wrestled on an Olympic level, right? Yeah. And it took you like you, you, you probably got to a point to where you could only hear your own thoughts yeah. at one point, right. right? Right. You know, what's crazy is what actually attracted me to the sport when I was four years old was that, was the fact that at the end of the day, all I needed to ultimately rely on was myself and my own voice inside of my head. Isn't that crazy? No, I mean, like, for real, like, and, and, and I love that you said that, like, to a certain extent, you only had yourself. Well, I think that we get so caught up in being unselfish as human beings to where we have to give and give and give to where we don't, we don't give to ourselves, right? Where like, Ryan, me and you have talked about this extensively. You wake up with your own dreams, your own ambitions, your own goals, and your own life. Bro, if you don't succeed, guess who fails? Me. You. Yeah. Right. I agree. But it's not selfish. It's crazy because you can't help other people. You can't help other people unless you help yourself. Right. For real. And and that's not that's not a selfish mindset. No, not at all. I think it's a mindset that needs to be more widely accepted. Right. Yeah, man. I I appreciate you being on here, Adrian. uh, If you ever want to start a sports one with me or be a guest on a few, just hit me up, man. I, I can definitely make time for sure. All right, man. All right, man. Talk to you later. I love you, bro. Hey, love you too, man. Talk to you later, all right? All right, be good. We got Juan on the chat now. And according to Brian, you are a guru. And so I'm going to ask you to unmute. Enjoy the conversation, man. (laughs) Hey, Cedric, I'm I'm Juan. Nice to meet you. How you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing good, man. It's very nice to meet you, man. Uh, Ryan has talked so highly of you, and I always enjoy meeting new people. Um, I'm never like, no, nah, I don't want to talk to that person. I'm always like, bring them on. Bring them on, man. Let's do this. Right. Juan, <laughs> did you get a haircut? Yeah, yeah. just uh, last month. Looking yeah. sharp, bro. <laughs> You're in a relationship, right? Uh, yes, relationship uh, since October 31st of uh, not this last one, but the Halloween before last. Nice. Wow, man, you remember the date. Yep, October 31st. So you Halloween snatched night. you up a little Halloween queen. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't lying. You want to know what's funny? My nickname in school was Bubba, and she thought I was the other Bubba, and I kept telling her I wasn't. And then she found out when we met I wasn't that Bubba, but here we are, over a year later. Oh, wow. <laughs> really? So so what you're really saying is there's one mad Bubba out there. <laughs> I, I kept telling her, I kept telling her, and her family and her was like, that didn't bother you? I thought you, I was like, heck no, ain't no shame in my game. I got He's nothing to prove. Ruthless. <laughs> Actually, she found him on Facebook, and she's like, she, she's glad she did go with this Bubba, because she was like, he is not good looking anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to hijack this podcast real quick. So on a more serious note, what makes this relationship so different? Number one, you got to pay attention to your lady's needs and you got to date her a year later the way you dated her when you were trying to get with her in the first day. Agreed. Dating does not stop. It doesn't matter if you're married 20, 30, 40 years. Dating does not stop. Anytime we go out, it doesn't matter if it's to Walmart, Walgreens, I still open up the car door for her. I still open up the front door for her. That's how you treat a lady. A man's job is to be a man in a relationship to lead the way. A woman's like relationship is to follow, but to treat her man with respect. Yeah. And the reason why that exists is because she can entrust herself. A man's supposed to be the rock in a relationship. Right. The one she can turn to that it doesn't matter if the house is on fire, you have nothing but the clothes on your back. But at the end of the day, she looks in you in the eyes and you can say, 
I got this. Yeah. And she knows yeah. you're going to mean what you say and you say what you mean. That's deep. So how were you able to gain that kind of trust? Um, first off, you got to love yourself. Completely I'm, agree. I don't want to dive into that. Um, for real, loving yourself is the first step to anything. Yeah. yeah. But as a man and growing up in a different environment, I think we all grew up in different environments. Um, yeah. Growing up in a black household, it kind of felt like my grandfather was very, he was very uh, loving to my grandmother and he was, he was always doing little things for her. You could always see it, but she felt more like the rock, the patriarch. He went off of her and I always felt like when it came to relationships, Yes, you're supposed to be respectful. You're supposed to open the doors. You're supposed to tell her every day how beautiful she is. You're supposed to get her flowers, not because it's something to do, but just because it's her and you know it'll make her feel special. But it's also, I feel like it's also a compromise in a team to where I tell the kids that I work with now, I tell them all the time, I'm like, if you're in a relationship and she's not pushing you to be better, then you need to get rid of her because I was like, she's not, she's not trying to help you grow as a person. She's okay with who you are now and who you are now isn't who you're going to grow to be. So if she's trying to hold you back instead of letting you grow, you got to let her go. But I always feel like in a relationship that you're supposed to push her to be her best and she's supposed to push you to be your best. How do you feel about that? Well, actually, I agree with everything you just you just said. I mean, you got to have a woman that supports you, that believes in your vision as well as you believe in her vision. Um, at the end of the day, when we go into a relationship, you either grow together or grow apart. What yeah. we are taught is the beginning and the freshness, the newness, the romantic part of that aspect in the honeymoon phase. But what we are never taught is how to end things properly. That's good. You can end things in such a way you're not cussing each other out, disrespecting each other, uh, talking down to each other or each other's kids. You can do it in such a way that it's a loving way to say, you know what, I love you, but I also love you enough to let you go so you can find yeah. someone who will treat you and love you the way you're meant to because at this point, I'm no longer at that point I can do that. Yeah. That's a part of a relationship. And just let them know, hey, if you need me for anything, I'm always here for you. I'm still your friend, but I'm, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. And there's a difference. And that's what the part of a healthy love that we are not taught and that we don't put out there. Number two is set healthy boundaries in your life. The people you love, the people you care about, your best friend, your family, your loved ones, the best, the best role you can play in life as far as business uh, relationships, family, friends, loved ones is the ability to be able to walk away and never look back. And when you have that, uh, you grasp that you have life by the horns instead of life having you by the horns. One of the first questions I ask people when I give them advice is, and when you look in the mirror, what do you see? Are you happy with what you see? Yeah. Number one, have you forgiven yourself for what you think are your perceived faults, the regrets you have? I don't have any regrets. When you speak about that, there are things in my past that I just, I have not forgiven myself for. Like, sure. like I said, I'll, I'll always be honest on this podcast. I'll always be true with this podcast. I grew up in the system, and I was 10 when my mother lost her parental rights 
for us. And the thing that I can never forgive about myself is I feel, I can't say felt because I still feel it even at 30 now. I feel like it was my fault. Like it it, it had come down to, I, I was in sixth grade. I was getting in trouble as sixth graders do. And my mom, she used to beat us. And I, it had got to the point to where I would take a lot of the whoopings for my younger siblings because I didn't want them to get beat. And so I'm talking to the nurse and I'm like, hey, I don't want to go home. And she's like, why? And I was like, because if I go home, I was like, my mom going to beat the shit out of me. And like the nurse, old school black woman, she's like, well, you shouldn't have messed up then. And then I had to show her my leg. And like my leg is just torn apart from a whooping that I had got from her previously. And she's like, oh, you talking for real, for real. And she called the police and the police come and they separate us. And my mom goes around and she hugs all my younger siblings and then she just walks by me. And the officer's like, he's like, ma'am, do you want to hug your oldest son? And she just turns around, she looks at me and I could just see it in her eyes. And I was like, she just kind of shook her head and just kept walking. And like when I talked to like when I talked to my therapist about that, I told I always tell her, I'm like, that's the day I felt like I kind of just stopped. I was like, I can't get past that moment. Because when I think back on it, I was like, I wasn't doing that. I didn't tell the nurse I didn't want to go home because of my younger siblings. I told the nurse I didn't want to go home because of myself. And so like when I think about relationships, it's always so hard for me to get into a deep relationship with someone because I never feel like I'm good enough to be that deep in a relationship with them. I mean, on that note, um, for me, the biggest step I made to uh, where I'm at at this point in my life is forgetting my biological dad. And I did it, I think back in 2014 or 15 in March, I've actually held two conversations with him as an adult. He didn't know who I was. First time I talked to him, I didn't know who he was, but then second time I knew who he was because my mom had showed me an updated picture of him and I saw him a couple other times but you know the whenever I finally forgave him after holding on to that burden of unforgiveness and hatred and anger it was like something was lifted off me and I just broke down and started crying because I was just so glad that I didn't carry that burden of wondering if I'm going to turn out to be the person he was and I finally realized he didn't love me because I wasn't unworthy of love it was because of his own internal issues. And so I finally was able to let that go. Thank you again for tuning in to the first episode of Commercial Drinks. I'm your host, Cedric Turner. I just want to say again, thank you for listening to this opening episode, this introductional episode. We had a great set of guests lined up for this episode. We had Adrian Madison, who spent time on American Idol, who gave us some great information. We had Juan, who was just great with the relationship information. And then we had Ryan Law, who was great with all of his information. I just want to thank you guys for listening. The podcast episodes will continue. We will have a second part to this episode. And again, I'm just so grateful for everyone who tuned in and listened to the podcast. Thank you so much and continue to listen. You have a blessed day.